hello and welcome to episode 134 of the Thinking LSAT podcast in Duluth, Georgia. I'm Nathan Fox. With me today in Virginia is Ben Olson. Where in Georgia are you, Nathan? I'm visiting uh, my old good friends who live here now. So um, I'll apologize to the listeners in advance because uh, there might be some train noises. They, they have a train that goes through this uh, suburb here of Atlanta. So if you hear some train whistles later, that's uh, because I'm not at home at the moment. That's Nathan's fault. It is 100% my fault, and I <laughs> take full blame for any train noises. So last time I was in Georgia, which I think was the only time I've ever been in Georgia, was while I was clerking at the DOJ and it was hot, and I just um, remember eating at some like barbecue restaurant. Uh, is it hot there now? No, it's actually perfect right now. But they, my friends, they only moved here a few months ago, and they've been complaining about the winter for quite a while. So apparently, it was snow and and freezing here, and then it 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 will get very hot and muggy. Um, in a few months, but right now I'm, I'm in the perfect zone. So no, it's quite pleasant. Cool. And how long are you going to be there? Um, I'll be here for the remainder of the week. I have my new class in LA starts this Saturday. So I got to go back for that, but I'm going to fly back on Thursday or Friday. Cool. Yeah. Well, uh, some quick updates for everyone. Um, we now have 284 members in the Thinking LSAT podcast group on Facebook. If you haven't joined, pull over and get out <laughs> your phone <laughs> and join that group. Um, there's a lot of good things on there. Uh, someone just suggested, and I wish I would have seen this earlier. Actually, I, someone in class told me about this, but then I forgot. Matthew says, um, slightly non-LSAT related, but... I, as I was listening to Ben and Nathan talk about Halo Top, I realized that Ben needs to try the non-ice cream on the podcast. I think that would be awesome. Dude, I agree. I want to try this stuff and see how vomit-inducing it is. So I'll do that next time. I don't think it's going to be vomit-inducing. I think it's going to be tears-inducing. Okay. Because you're going to be thinking that you're getting a delicious ice cream treat, and instead you're going to be eating, like, foamy air <laughs> foamy air. It's, you're gonna you're gonna be eating like like foam in with sugar in it that's that's what it's gonna be mm. but yeah yeah okay cool <clears throat> well we'll try it out um yep. and we have nine patrons now on patreon so thank you you're helping to pay for our bills um and that's 78 dollars a month yeah thank you everyone people should join that even if they're only going to do one dollar i just want to have a bunch of patrons it'd be fun to have a whole bunch of patrons on patreon so everybody should just sign up for that and just give us a dollar yeah Come on. yeah that'd, that'd be, be awesome um yeah. dude a quick shout out to christine one of your students right uh she donated a hundred dollars to the show that was pretty crazy yeah yeah she uh she was appreciative of what she's gotten from the podcast so far. And so sent in a hundred bucks. Yeah. Appreciate that. Thank you very much, Christine. Um, yeah, we've got our thousand dollars a month that we're trying to cover here for uh, show expenses. So <laughs> every, every little bit certainly helps. And anyway, it's a, it's a, just a nice, uh, it's a nice, thank you. Nice show of support. So thank, thanks everybody for chipping in. We, we would do it for free, but it's all, it's always nice. If you give us a little something. Yeah. By the way, this reminds me, um, we don't have it here in the teaser, but 
What's the link for the t-shirts and stuff again? Oh, that's at Cafe Press. Um, so I, I think it's cafepress.com slash thinkinglsat. But if not, just go to thinkinglsat.com and you should be able to find everything on the homepage. Uh, on the right-hand side now of thinkinglsat.com, you can find uh, the the Patreon page and the Cafe Press page. And yeah, we got all kinds of new stuff going up. Uh, we have a new logo uh, for our t-shirts on the Cafe Press. Mm-hmm. So if you want to buy uh, swag, we got new stuff going up. Yeah, no. I, have you bought anything? I haven't yet. Yeah. Um, I want that new logo. I definitely want to get a black one. The one that has like the biker, the biker uh, patch kind of oh. thinking else at logo. Yeah. That one I really like. I want to get that on a black t-shirt. Okay, cool. Alrighty. Um, I don't have any movie pass updates. Do you? I saw Isle of Dogs, that Wes Anderson movie. It's really, oh. really delightful. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's beautiful. If you like Wes Anderson or if you like dogs. Or if you just like movies, um, definitely Isle of Dogs. I, I loved it. Cool. Um, well, should we jump in, or did you have anything else that you wanted to add? No, let's let's dive in. Okay, let's do it. You want to take this first one? Oh, this is from Wicked. Sure. Okay. Oh yeah, Wicked update. Hey guys, uh, Wicked here. I took some time off from writing so people don't, in your words, get sick of me. They probably still are. I don't know about that, Wicked. I think people like having a recurring uh, update on the show. Reminder about who I am, 179, 3.85, straight out of undergrad. Last you heard, I'd received half tuition from Columbia and full tuition plus $10,000 a year from Michigan. I'm also considering University of Chicago. I still have my fingers crossed for Stanford and Harvard, the latter of which I interviewed for way back in November. I'm also waiting on UVA and Yale, but have basically given up on my on the former. My application has been under review since uh, October 14th, and Yale is a pipe dream. I don't know why people do that. I don't know why people give up. It, well, one, who cares? Because you're not the one that's making the decision. So you giving up doesn't do anything, but people like I, I had a girl this week get admitted to Harvard. Apparently something weird happened with, at Harvard where they've like waitlisted everybody. Hmm. I saw a tweet from Anne about that, that, that like they had apparently waitlisted everybody in the entire world. And that was intentional. Well, I don't know what they're doing, but they just hadn't basically admitted people yet. Hmm. And I did get one admission uh, from a, a student of mine who scored um, 180 on the LSAT. Actually, we we talked about her on the on the show uh, Fiesta. Fiesta got into Harvard uh, with her 180 and her amazing grades. Hmm. Um, is that what we called her, Fiesta? I can't. I don't remember. Anyway, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, but she was the same thing. She was like telling me that she had just gotten into Harvard. And she was she was officially giving up on Stanford and Yale as well because it had been so long, and she didn't think that they were going to get back to her. Which is like, well, wait a minute, why? What makes? Why would you think that? <laughs> you just heard from Harvard, and now so because of that, now you think you're not getting into these other schools. Anyway, so yeah, it's a little strange actually, um, because if they haven't said no to you yet, they're still on the fence at least, and I think by giving up you're not going to contact them anymore, which might increase your chances of them not responding to you, right? If you continue to reach out to them, not in an annoying way, but in some way to say that you're yeah. still interested, then they say, oh, you're still interested. Um, maybe we'll still be interested. It's kind of like dating. You have to keep sending those vibes or it will 
It's die. a lot like dating. It's a lot like flirting like that. Yeah. And who knows? Maybe they are they do have their eye on you and but if you if you don't give them any indication that you actually want to go there, then they might get someone else might get their attention and you know, they might decide to choose someone else. So yeah, I if you're interested, Wicked, in Stanford and Harvard and Yale and UVA, yeah, there's nothing wrong with keeping in touch. Don't be annoying, but keep in touch with them and just see what happens. Yeah. Um, okay. It, well, another thing about this is these top, top students who really do have these credentials, you know, the 179 and 3.85 yeah. GPA, they're always selling themselves short as well. Like these, these people who have the, the most qualified students are always the ones who think that they're not going to get in. Yeah, she says Yale is a pipe dream, but what do you think the Yale class looks like? There's got to be someone in there who looks exactly like you in terms of these numbers, right? 179. Who, who is going to Yale if it's not you? Yeah. I mean, like, how do they get the, the crazy high numbers on their 509? How do those numbers get so high? That, they don't get that high by not accepting people with your numbers. Yep. So, right, I don't know why you're going to call. Now, I mean calling it a pipe dream just because it's very, very competitive, even for the greatest applicants. I mean, okay, fine. But if anybody has a chance, you have a chance, you know, other than like certain legacy people, but I don't know. Yeah. Well, it's very consistent and, and it makes a lot of sense. The people like there's, there's also a reason why wicked got her 179 and her 3.85, which is that she doesn't overestimate herself. <laughs> she works her ass off. And because she works her ass off, then she does really well. So yeah, it's funny how people there's, there's like the people who think that they're a shoe in for Harvard are the people with like a one sixty seven. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, like oh, I have these great, and they're like pointing to all these things on their resume and stuff. And then it's like, yeah, but you have a one sixty seven and a 3.5. Why do you think you're going to get into Harvard? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're competing against wicked with her one seventy nine and 3.8. 3.85. Anyway. Okay. Um, I went to Columbia admitted students days. I will be attending Michigan next week and Chicago in April. All of these trips are being paid for, which is wicked. Awesome. Yeah, that is awesome. They're flying you around all over the place. Cool. I'm curious about your thoughts on leveraging university of Chicago. The closest school geographically that I applied to is Michigan. The closest school in the rankings is Columbia. I have a feeling Chicago is going to offer me less than satisfactory merit aid if they offer it at all. What's going to be most persuasive to them? (laughs) What do you think? I don't know. Michigan is a great school. Yeah, and they gave you a great offer. Yeah, I would just go the with that. Full ride plus ten thousand. I think I think the decision is already made. You go to U Michigan, unless these other schools step up. You do awesome there at an awesome school. It's paid for, and you get ten grand a year. I mean, unless it's got some crazy like conditional um, clause that's going to make it hard for you to keep that scholarship. Uh, it just seems like the answer. Yeah, I can't imagine, even if she does get admitted to Harvard, Stanford, Yale, I, I just can't imagine turning down this awesome offer from Michigan. Yeah. Michigan is a wonderful law school. It will open up doors all over the place. You'll do really well there. 
you, you know, you, if you don't like it there, if you do well, but you, but you don't like it, you might have an opportunity to transfer. You could always think about that in your second year, but you have go there with a plan of staying there and getting a free JD from a great school plus $10,000 a year. Plus be at the top of your class and all the awesomeness that comes with that and the opportunities. Yeah. So we've come kind of, we've, we've both, it sounds like come around to this idea that there's just no point, uh, going to Harvard, Stanford, Yale for the, for the money. Yeah. You're competing. It's just a higher competition, which means you're going to be in the middle of the class or maybe the bottom of the class. Now I'm not saying this is true for wicked. I'm just saying for people in general, if you're squeaking into those schools, um, not that it's bad to be at the bottom of the class for Harvard, you're still going to have the Harvard name, but that a lot can come from being in the top of your class at Michigan. People know it's a great school and do you say, Hey, I'm in the top 10%. All the big firms are going to eat that up. If that's what you're interested in doing. Um, I don't know what you want to do, but eh, it, it seems good for even clerkships or anything else. So, yeah, I, I, I get the, the one objection that I hear sometimes is, well, I specifically want to clerk at the Supreme Court. And if you look at who the clerks are from the Supreme Court, they come mostly from Harvard and Yale. Yeah. And, you know, that maybe it's harder to get that clerkship if you come from Michigan. I don't, I don't even know if that's that true uh, necessarily. I mean, because just looking at the numbers and going, well, most of them come from Harvard and Yale. Okay, well, there's two reasons for that. I mean, one reason, Harvard's a huge, huge law school. It's gigantic. So, of course, they have, you know, big representation in Supreme Court clerkships. Sure. Yale is this, like, top of the pyramid, ultra elite kind of a school. But they're also both East Coast schools. So, then that that just puts you more, you know, I mean, people who go to those schools are more likely to want to be clerking on the Supreme Court. Yeah, I don't, I don't know a whole lot about it, but it could also just be a whole, like, um, you know, selection bias. Yes, exactly. So if you could get into Harvard or if you did get into Harvard and you did get into Yale, but then you choose to go to Michigan, um, you're the kind of candidate that's going to do the hustle to get on the Supreme court anyways and figure out what you need to do. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know much about that world, but, um, yeah, I don't either. And anyway, if you're overqualified for Michigan, which you are when they're giving you $10,000 a year, you know, you're, you, I shouldn't say overqualified, but you're, you're at your, t- at the top of your class credential wise heading in, you go there, you excel, and then you go apply for whatever things you want to do. It's, it's hard to imagine wicked ever being shut out of things because she went to Michigan. Yeah. But really? Like what? <laughs> Where go to Michigan and kick ass, really? Then and then you there's things you can't do now. You've forever foreclosed certain opportunities. I don't think so. Um. Okay. So and okay. As far as leveraging Chicago for the negotiating, I think Chicago is for sure going to believe her that she would go to Michigan to take this great offer. Yeah. It's very close proximity wise, and it's an awesome school, and they made an awesome offer to you. And I mean, you know, they might always just say no. I have a feeling though, that they might say yes. Yeah. When you have such an awesome applicant who is willing to walk away, like who would, who would Chicago ever give merit-based aid to if it wasn't her? I don't know. 179. 
someone with a 179 and a higher GPA, but even so, they just give her full, fine, full tuition. You give up the 10 grand a year or something like that. Yeah. And then at that point, now we have a much closer call. Yeah. But if they're just like, no, come here and pay us $50,000 a year tuition. Sorry. Even then, though, I don't, I don't know that I would give up the 10 grand and go to Chicago, which is just going to be a little bit more competitive. Yeah. At least it's just, at least now it's a, a sort of a judgment call. You know, it's thir- it's yeah. $30,000 total. What I'm not sure that makes a huge difference in the grand scheme of things. And so now it's like, Hey, whatever, flip a coin. I don't give a shit. But when we're talking about $150,000, that that's not a coin flip, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's pretty clear, I think. Okay. Um, also, uh, <coughs> Wicked continues. It says, also, I continue teaching for Kaplan and I'm liking it more than I thought I would. I think it's because I really just like teaching LSAT. But in spite of some frustrations with the curriculum, I've definitely gleaned some pearls of wisdom about how I could have studied better. The real question, am I being brainwashed? Um, I don't know. She... Wicked does not provide any of these uh, alleged pearls of wisdom. Um, but, you know, conversation between a wise man and a fool uh, who learns more. And, of course, the wise man always learns. That's why the wise man is wise. So Wicked is, you know, wading through some the turds <laughs> that are in the Kaplan curriculum and pulling out some of the pearls Um that's not surprising to me. I'm sure there's I'm sure there's valuable stuff. Yeah, I'm sure there's some there. good stuff in there. The problem is when it gets mixed in with some bad stuff and you accept all five things because it does have some good things and then you're walking away with some not so good things thinking yeah. that they're good. But who knows? Send us an update, Wicked. Tell us what you learned. Yeah. And and you know, another problem with Kaplan is you're like very low qualifications and very low training teacher. Now, Wicked happens to have excellent qualifications. Um, still, like, really no training, right? She's just brand new baby LSAT teacher. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sure Wicked's doing great, but you just, you have no idea who you're going to get when you take one of those big corporate classes. Yeah. So we got problems with the curriculum. We got problems potentially with the instructors. You're just rolling the dice when you go with a, a program like that. Yeah. Um, P.S. If you'd be interested in looking over my personal statement or any essays I sent into my applications, let me know. It would be fun to hear them picked apart. Oh, yeah. I think we could go through Wicked's personal statement at some point, don't you think? Yeah, I think people like that. Tell us if you guys don't. But I think people like hearing personal statements and getting ideas for what they should write. Well, especially because this is a successful one, right? I mean, this is a personal statement from an excellent candidate who already has gotten great offers from amazing law schools. Yeah. So to hear her personal statement uh, would be great. And uh, if then if she gets denied by Harvard, Stanford, Yale, we can um, mock her personal statement and show her exactly why she didn't get in. Yeah. So that'd be fun too. Um, That was a bit of a joke. Wait, Uh, sorry. I totally blanked on that one. Oh, I was saying we're going to mock her for, Oh, here's exactly why you didn't get into Harvard. Yeah. That's (laughs) not what I... Let's see what we discover. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure we'll have one or two pointers (laughs) for her personal statement. I'm sure it's great. I'm sure we'll learn something too, but we're always going to have some uh, constructive criticism. That's what we call it. Yeah. All right. Next one. Hi, Nathan. First, I wanted to say thank you and Ben 
I wanted to say thank you to you and Ben for your Thinking LSAT podcasts. I've been practicing at about 173 to 177 for my last 10 practice tests. Wow. However, I received my February score of 170 this morning. For the games section, I usually score minus zero, but on test day, I ended up brute forcing every question due to nerves. It was my first section, and I ended up spending 10 minutes on the first game. Oof. Okay. Okay. So I think the only prep I need there is, oh, uh, only the only prep I need there is confidence. For logical reasoning, I was hovering from minus three to minus zero. Per, sorry, minus zero to minus three per section. So I ordered your disrespecting the LSAT book on Amazon, by the way, to help me perfect the section. However, my main concern is reading comp. I consistently range from minus three to minus five, regardless of how difficult a reading section is. Minus zero on passages like judicial candor, but minus three on the rest, for example. Okay, I wouldn't read too much into that. No. The problem is that I took all 83 prep tests. How do I find a way to get my reading down to minus three, minus two range when I've seen all the practice materials already? Sorry for the long email, and thank you for your guidance so far. Um. This is that says minus zero to minus two range. What, what not am minus I? Three to oh yeah, I just can't read two. today apparently. Um, all right. Well, by the way, this is just a random side note, but Ed says that he took all eighty-three prep tests. Aside from the fact that that's a little shocking, but also consistent with his scoring, I guess. Um, he sounds like an attorney. There are some other tests out there. There's the super prep tests, A, B, and C. And then there's what some people call C2, which is in the second version of, oh, what is it? It's like, it's another super prep book or it's the more recent super prep book. So there are four more prep tests out there that you could take um, if you're looking for totally new material. But in any case, do you have suggestions for reading? Uh, redo the ones you've already done before. People make way too big of a deal about, oh, I've seen that test and so now I can't do it again. I mean, I doubt you're going to score perfectly if you go back to the beginning of those prep tests. Do the ones you did a long time ago and do those ones again. I mean, maybe you'll score perfectly on every single one, like just because you remember the answers. But I don't know. I, I, I kind of doubt you will. Or at least... You'll have to work your way through it, right? Yeah, well... You'll, you'll, have, you'll have to grind your way through the passage and grind your way through the question to find that correct answer, most likely. So that's still, that still has some value, surely. Yeah, I agree. Um, one, if you're, if you're not getting my zero, then you're still getting questions wrong that you've reviewed already. Yeah. And so you didn't learn whatever you needed to learn about them. And if you... Yeah... If you do get minus zero multiple times, then wow, that would be surprising for tests that you did probably a long time ago, I'm assuming. <laughs> Even if you did one test a day, that would be over three months ago. So, Yeah, just redo them. Who cares? Just, just It's not going to be diagnostic anymore, but you don't need diagnostics anymore. You just need to keep practicing and take it again because you know that your practice test range is higher than your actual that you have on record. So you're taking it again in June. You do not need diagnostics. You just need to keep practicing. I would also say that 
before you look up the correct answers, you definitely need to double check the questions that you were unsure about. You should be confident about every question, even if that requires extra time after the section is over. Um, you know, it's like you're, Ed is only getting three to five wrong. Um, so how many questions is Ed unsure about? Maybe five or six. So then when the section is over and the time is up, go back to those five or six questions and just figure out why you were unsure and see if you can either confirm the answer you chose or choose a different answer and then look up the correct answers to see whether your correction was correct. So okay. Ed's got to push himself a little bit further because he is doing really well, even though he's not where he wants it to be. Yeah. The other thing I was going to say is because Ed, you do have my logical reasoning encyclopedia. That's the subtitle, uh, disrespecting the LSAT, but you have that book and that book has a ton of, uh, must be true questions and main point questions in it. And if you get really, really good at must be true and really good at main point questions, that is going to pay some dividends on the reading comprehension as well. Um, my hypothesis with high scorers when they miss questions on reading comp is always that you're, you're trying to read between the lines when you're not supposed to be reading between the lines. All you're supposed to be doing is just finding the evidence-based must be true answer. Yeah. So Ed, when he looks at his mistakes, I would really be curious to see which questions he's missing. Um, a private tutoring session would always be helpful maybe for somebody like Ed to go through a, a few passages together and just see what kinds of questions you're missing. Mm -hmm. But my first hypothesis is that Ed is probably missing questions that sound like it can be inferred from the passage that the author would be most likely to agree with which one of the following. Mm -hmm. 170 scorers always miss that question. I mean, if they're going to miss anything, that's the question they miss. Yeah. Because they think that they're supposed to be reading between the lines when what they're actually supposed to be doing is just answering a must be true question. So dial into that must be true mindset and you might find that you uh, miss fewer questions on the reading comp. Yeah. Ed continues. Sorry for the long email and thank you for your guidance so far. I don't consider that a very long email. That was just right, actually. Thanks, Ed. P.S. If any of your readers were curious about the February exam, I can offer some of my thoughts on the curve difficulty of the exam. Eh, no. too late. We're we're already past that. Thanks, thanks, Ed. We it just took us took us a while to get to this on the agenda. So, um, he gives he's speculating on some difficulty stuff, but it's too late for that. Scores are already out. Don't care. Well, even Thanks, if Ed. the scores weren't out, I don't know that it really matters. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's true. That's true. All right. You want to take the next one? Oh, shit. Are we going to do this personal statement? Do you feel like doing that or do you feel like doing other stuff? It's next. I say we just do okay. it. Okay. Just shred it. Let's do it. Um, it says a little about me. I graduated in 2015 with a degree in history. I have a 3.86 GPA and would ideally like to attend a top law school. My end goal is to work as a public defender or a criminal defense attorney. Uh, I'm already queasy. <laughs> I'm only queasy because of the, I would like to attend a top law school. Yeah. What, what do you mean by that? Because if you want to be a public defender or a criminal defense attorney, 
I don't think you need to attend a top law school. I don't even know what that means. Yep. I, I think Jordan, what you need to do is you need to go to the best law school that gives you a full ride and preferably try to get a stipend. Cause if you're going to work in public service, you definitely don't want to start your public service career with a big mountain of debt. Yeah. You know, just the other night, someone was saying in class, um, what was it? Shoot. I can't remember now, but it, he, he was talking about the number of people and I don't know how researchers would figure this out, but the number of people who were intending to get their loans repaid through some like government, you know, repayment program or something like that, or the schools sometimes I think may forgive your loans or whatever if you go into public service. Yeah. And it was something like only 4% succeeded in getting them paid back. Um, so... That's not surprising at all. Yeah, I, I, that I don't. That's I think that comports with reality. Um, People either yeah, don't qualify, I, or they somehow get kicked out, or they don't do what they end up ended up planning on doing. You just can't plan on that. But you know, of course, they say, "Oh, you can get it repaid." Oh, okay, well, great. That's my plan. Yeah. Now, what happens if you end up making just a little bit too much money? Um, not enough to pay back the loans, but too much to qualify yep. for these awesome, generous programs. Yep. What if the program gets uh, canceled by the Trump administration? What if the program, if it's a school program, what if they run out of money? That happens. Yep. I've seen people at Hastings not being able to get as much as they thought they were going to be able to get. What happens if you marry somebody who makes a little bit too much money? What happens if you decide not to work in public service anymore? Yeah, There's a million ways this can fail. So And they know that, just, and they say... You can do it. Why don't you get a loan and come to our school? They want your money. Yep. It's just, I don't know how I, they want your money. They, they, <laughs> you are a potential customer and they want to take your cash. And I think you really should just not give it to them. You don't have to. It's a choice. And I think you should choose uh, the path of nah, not paying for this. Sorry. There's too many other people who do want to pay, you know, and there are, I, I'm starting to realize as I'm, I continue working on this book, um, called don't pay for law school. There are people who have unlimited money who are going to pay for law school mm -hmm. and you can let those people pay. Those people will continue to pay the tuition and those people should be paying for your scholarship. That's, that's what, that's, that's how this, that's how you should play the game if you give any shits about money and debt and stuff. Now for our listeners who are independently wealthy uh, or have some, you know, trust fund or, or whatever, fine. Like if you want to go to some prestige school, be, you know, just make sure you realize that you're making kind of an ego decision. You, you, you consider yourself to be this type of person or you want to join that type of club and you have the money to pay for it, then that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. I, I just think I'm mostly speaking to people who are more like me, which was first generation college student who had no fucking clue what I was doing. And for me to pay the money to take on the debt for anybody to take on the debt, it just doesn't make any sense. Not with the system set up the way it is. Yeah. So anyway, when you start I, I, this whole idea of a top law school, where are you drawing that line? What does that even mean? There are plenty of good schools out there. By the way, if you're talking about doing criminal law, you can do criminal law everywhere in the country, which means every law school in the country 
has a probably a pretty robust program for turning out people who go work in the PD's office. Yep. You know, that I like it that Jordan's talking about wanting to do criminal defense because that's a very practical job. We need a, we need criminal defense lawyers, you know? I mean, that's that's a public service, that's a public role that has to be filled and for sure there are jobs there. So that's great. Good. Good for you, but just <laughs> Don't, don't think you need to go into debt in order to join that club. Yeah. Okay. Um, it says, please feel free to rip this apart. I'd really appreciate any comments you or Ben could make to help me make this a good personal statement. Also, if you think it's garbage, please tell me and I'll be grateful and start over. It's hard to get good, honest feedback. I find it really difficult to self-assess and write about myself. So I know certain parts of the statement may be lacking. Thanks for all you do. Jordan. Sweet. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I'm glad you want good honest feedback. I mean, we <laughs> I'm going to start I'm going to start starting my feedback. I'm going to always say like, "Hey, you're a good person and a good writer and this is all going to work out perfectly well for you." <laughs> that said, and then go into my feedback. <laughs> Cuz the feedback is always just going to be constructive and there's there's there are going to be problems. Yeah. Okay, here we go. First off, Jordan's using justified uh, layout here, and you should not be using full justified. You want it just to be left aligned, not that full justified. Because look how how all the spacing no, is it's and awful. everything. It's all it's ugly. Yeah, don't don't use justified. Um, just use the left left aligned, whatever that is. Okay, here we go. I have thoughts <laughs> right off the bat. It says. I grew up in a city ensnared in society's social safety net. Okay. People need to think a, a lot more deeply, I think, about the very first sentence that they're writing. Yeah. What is that? What my question to the, about that? So I'll say it again. I grew up in a city ensnared in society's social safety net. What does that mean? I don't know. There's a lot of welfare programs that are no, not even not a lot of welfare programs. A lot of people in your city are relying on welfare programs to survive. That's my <laughs> guess, and now I have to visualize that. And <laughs> well, first, is the city ensnared in the social safety net, or are you ensnared in the social well, safety net, or are ensnared in it? And do you feel also in, ensnared means that you think that the that the social safety net is a trap. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, B- that because it's not doing right its away, job. It's not a good thing. That you're that the social that like are you trying to say that we should get rid of the social safety net because you don't want people to be ensnared in it? It caught them and not let, it's not letting them go. Well, that's that's what that sounds like. Yeah. If you're ensnared in a net, it's like, oh shit, this fucking net. <laughs> I can't get out of it, damn it. Well, I maybe that's what Jordan means. Yeah, I mean that it's a very possible problem with welfare programs. I don't necessarily I just don't know if that's exactly what Jordan is intending to say. Yeah, it's not a it's it's an ambiguous first sentence and it doesn't say a lot about you in terms of who you are. It says more about like it's just vague. 
You're sounding um, politically conservative there, whether or not you know it. I, I, my guess is that Jordan does not want to sound politically conservative, but this sounds like something that you know Rush Limbaugh would say wait, about the social safety. Wait, wait, wait. Net. Why is that your guess? Um, just because. I mean, Jordan wants to be a public defender, for one thing. I, I don't know that a mm. public defenders don't tend to be Republicans. I don't think, or you know, not. Not people who want to be PDs don't don't tend to be like right wingers. Mm. So just curious. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so that's my my <laughs> right off the bat. I, I guess the other thing I would say I don't, I'm not, I don't I'm not a big fan of society's social safety net. No, that's you're using a lot of words to describe net, and it just piles on. Well, I also. I don't like the unintentional alliteration there. I don't think you're doing that on purpose. Yeah. But society's social, well, yeah, society's social safety net. Okay. <laughs> strike, strike all that. Just cut it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. It was in a neighborhood just outside Newburgh, New York, semicolon, New York's murder capital. Whoa. Okay. Incorrect use of semicolon, but that's not the biggest issue here. Capital misspelled. Yeah. Um, what else? Um, why? Okay. Why? I don't know. I'm just trying to understand the purpose of highlighting the fact that this is New York's murder capital. I guess we'll have to wait and see. Was someone in your family murdered? That, that'd be awful. I hope not. But, uh. Yeah. Jordan's trying to give like a flavor of, you know, here's where I'm from. I'm from a place that has a lot of murders. Okay. I don't, I don't, well, okay. I guess I'm curious what the end goal is, but it's not a lot about My grandmother, <clears throat> yeah, it's not about you yet. Okay. My grandmother working hard for not much money, mostly in kitchens, so she could afford to raise me. The remnants of the crack epidemic and the violence of the 1980s just outside of our deadlocked door. So those are two... Uh, those are two incomplete sentences. Yep, two fragments. Um, that can be okay, but you have to know that you can pull it off. And usually, when you do that, you do them very short. Yeah, it's meant for emphasis in general, right? Uh, the outside of our deadlock door, I would definitely kill the of there. If you're going to do this thing where you're just like painting a picture. Yeah. Yeah. You wouldn't not, you wouldn't want that of there. My, my my advice for Jordan would be, don't do this. Just don't, don't try to pull off something like that. Cause it's just too fancy. Your reader, you might have a reader who, if they don't buy it, if, if the reader's like, if the reader doesn't buy your whole thing, like if they're not feeling it, then they're going to go, that's a sentence fragment. Yeah. The other thing is everything else has got to be perfect. Like you can't miss exactly, a semicolon. You right. got to be on the ball with everything for maybe a paragraph or two. Then you use a fragment. But at that point, the reader has confidence in you as a, as a knowledgeable writer who knows what they're doing so then when you use that fragment the obvious conclusion is oh this person must have done this on purpose not whoa mistake 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 fragment what the hell is going on here yet another mistake so 
Right. Exactly. Yeah. If you, if, if you're going to pull out the fancy tricks, you, you bet everything else has to be perfect and you have to be sure you can pull this off. And so far you're not somebody who can pull that off. I don't think if you, if you have any doubt, just don't, but don't do it. <laughs> just go ahead and write grammatically correct sentences is going to be a safer play here. Um, it was a place where few valued human lives over money. Semicolon. Now that's just bullshit. That's just a lie. I mean, you're, you're trying to paint a picture, but this is not a place where few value human lives over money. <laughs> that, that cannot be the case. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's not true anywhere. That, <laughs> That, that's maybe that, maybe that is a not, few valued money over human lives, but only a yeah. Few. That's why there's right. There's some people are murdering. It's not like everyone is murdering everyone else. <laughs> Give me that money, <laughs> boom. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's the still it's still the exception. Even when the murder, even when it's the the New York's murder capital, the percentage of people committing murder is still very very low. I'm not saying that's great. It's just higher than other places. The, yeah, the, the number of murderers at, at, at the peak of the murder crisis or whatever, the, uh, the percentage of population who murder is for sure less than 1%. Mm-hmm. So it is, it is incorrect. It's just, it's just a lie to say it was a place where few valued human lives over money. That is not true. Your grandmother and you and everyone else that you ever associated with valued human lives over money. Yeah. Okay. Uh, semicolon. It was a place where it was harder to be smart than fatherless. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I can understand this idea that it's hard to be, or it's easier to be fatherless than other places, but it's an odd comparison to smart. It's like going to school. Yeah. It's harder to go to school than to be fatherless. Educated or something. Yeah. yeah. Harder to be smart. What, what are you talking about? Yeah. Some of that's kind of g- genetic anyways. So exactly. I, I just think this is it. I think what's happening here is Jordan is trying to be artistic yeah. Jordan's trying to, I mean, I can tell that Jordan worked on this, you know, it's not like this is a first draft. He's just trying too hard. Exactly. Exactly. You try so hard to sound like smart and artsy and fancy, and you end up having the exact opposite effect because it's no longer your voice. Yeah. And it's just, you're just making up all this artsy nonsense, like ensnared in society's social safety net. How much that's like, you can definitely see the brushstrokes on that one, right? It's just, it's like an actor who you can like, just see them acting really hard. I'm acting as hard as I can. I'm doing it as hard as I can. It's like, okay, maybe don't try so hard. Maybe just, how about a more conversational tone? How about more sentences that start with the word I? And, And how about more about more stuff about you? We have murderers, we have New York having a murder crisis, we have crack epidemic and violence, and we have your grandmother, and we have a problem with fatherlessness, and I don't know anything about you yet. 
Mm. Yeah. Okay. The, the one thing that people miss, I, I think people don't understand the purpose of the personal statement. They just don't, they think they're supposed to be making an art project mm-hmm. and, and, and they're not, or a political statement and they're not Yeah. there. People are reading this personal statement to figure out who you are as a person, as a candidate. Is this a person that we want in our law school? Yep. And all I see here is you complaining about New York had a murder problem and crack epidemic and problem with fatherless kids. And it's like, who are you though? Are you saying you're a murderer or a crack dealer or a what? Huh? Yeah. <laughs> Where's Jordan in this? It's a personal statement. They're re- they're reading it to learn about you, Jordan, who you are today. I mean, the fact that his grandmother raised him does say some things. It's like, oh, so that's what happened to your parents and what's your situation. But even then, you're still talking about when you were pretty young. And in almost all cases, your personal statement needs to start with college or later. Because what happened to you when you were younger uh, is certainly relevant. It all affects it all. It affects all of us in some way, right? How we were raised. But until you start making conscious choices in your life that really affect who you are now and what you want to do and reflect that, it's just not as interesting. Um, We really care about when your life starts to become your life and you start taking control of it. So. Yeah, I, right. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think of like, if, uh, if this was like a, um, if to go back to the, you know, dating or whatever. Yeah. If this is your, this is your like profile on (laughs) whatever match.com or something. And you're like starting off with murder and your grandmother raising you and stuff. It's like, yeah, but who are you? It's like, nope. Next please. Who are you? You're going to lead with this. To imagine. Uh, (laughs) Sorry, Jordan. Don't feel bad. Almost everyone does this. They go back to like That's their, yeah. their youth. And just the other day I was reading a statement that someone sent me and I was like, get rid of the entire first paragraph. Oh, and the second one. The third one has like a sentence or two that's worth keeping. Please elaborate on those. Get rid of the fourth paragraph. Because people are just like, they're trying to find what it is they should be talking about. And in the paragraphs that they send me or you, Nathan, or here on the show, it's like, okay, wait a second, here's a sentence that's tapping into something. We need to zoom in on that sentence, blow it up, and that's your personal statement. All this other stuff is just like background noise and important to you, but not important to the statement. Exactly. Everyone does this, and it always sucks. So we're not ripping on Jordan specifically. Also, Jordan obviously is very, you know, Jordan is open to getting hard feedback here and frequently the the hard feedback is well you basically need to blow this whole thing up and start over the most common feedback i give people when when i read their personal statement is you you start over (laughs) write one sentence that says why you answers the question why you and then write one sentence that answers the question why law school Mm -hmm. short sentences Mm -hmm. what's your pitch like what's your brand What's your thing? Who, how are you going to sell yourself here? You don't get to, it's not a life story. It's not your whole thing. You don't have space for that. 
what are we getting? I'm a law school admissions person. I want to know who you are beyond the numbers and resume and transcripts. I have all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So just what's your brand? What's your pitch? What, what are you going to bring to my team? You know, and your grandmother raising you and you being with murderers and whatever. It's like, that's just not, well, it's not who you are today. So I don't, it's not, I'm not, I'm trying to look for like, I'm, I'm making a starting five for my basketball team and I'm like, okay, well, are you a center? Are you a guard? Are you, what are you? Yeah. And you talking about your childhood doesn't answer that question. So why you, what's your brand? And then why law school? Like, why is this a good fit for you? Um, and if maybe I would have people do that as like a first step and then write their personal statement, you know, around those answers. Cause this, you're right. We, we see this rehashing the life story all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, all I want to do is skim down to like, well, okay, can we get to you doing things in the real world? Nope, not yet. Instead we get growing up. We did not talk about race or class. It was not a conscious choice, but rather because it was tacitly understood that no matter where we went or what we did, we still belonged here. We seldom spoke of our dreams or ambitions because they all were the same. The tepid dream to leave and find success somewhere far away. Cut all of that and just have you going off to find your dream. Yeah, or like maybe start with start you leaving major. home. I mean, I, right. I don't... All of this is unfortunately out of your control. You were born into this situation. Um, but I don't know. I, I just feel like we need to know what happens later in your life. Who is we in this paragraph? We did not talk growing up. We did not talk about race or class. We belonged here. No matter where we went or what we did, we still belonged here. Who are you talking about? You and all of your people that you grew up with, I guess. Yeah. Um, a couple of problems with the writing in this paragraph, other than all those things, sure. how did that tacitly strike you? And how did that tepid strike you? Well, honestly, I was more thinking about the content, but tacitly understood. So it's an, I don't know. That's not, I mean, it was something that they didn't talk about. They already I mean, you already said that, but there's, it feels to me like Jordan is stretching here to try to use fancy words. Sure. I agree. It seems like Jordan has a thesaurus. out. Yeah. And you shouldn't do that. You, you don't ever use a thesaurus unless you've said the same word three times and you really need to avoid using it the third time, you know, and, and you're just, uh, otherwise, stretching to like display vocabulary is something that people do when they're worried that they're not like smart enough yeah, or that their education isn't good enough. And so then they want to like try to show that they can use these fancy words. It, let me read this sentence again. It was not a conscious choice, but rather because it was tacitly understood that blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Something that's, the, that's not right. No, the, but rather because is possibly incorrect and definitely clunky. And so you go that you use something like, but rather because, and then you get to tacitly and it's just, I immediately am like, wait a minute. 
what are you doing? Is that the right word? Are you trying, did you just have to bust out a dictionary to get that word out there, out there? Because you don't sound, it doesn't sound like it's not just natural usage. Yeah. By the way, here's a great opportunity to use a semicolon cut, but rather, and because, and just say it was not a conscious choice, semicolon. It was tacitly understood. Even even then though, that's like, that's switching from a noun to a, a verb, but in any case, um, well, you could actually get rid of the whole, but rather because it was tacitly understood that. So you could go, it was not a conscious choice, semicolon, no matter where we went or what we did, we still belonged here. Mm-hmm. Sure. But anyway, you need to cut all this content. So I don't know why we're talking <laughs> about the writing. I just want to point out, I mean, I wish people w- used a more conversational tone. Yeah. I wish they talked about themselves more. I wish they used more sentences that started with I, and I wish they just used a plainer. I want to, I want plain real talk from these people. When I did uh, legal writing consulting, the guy that I worked for, um, he was a former journalist uh, attorney and, um, uh, legal writing consultant. And he now actually does, um, uh, programs for judges on opinion writing. But, uh, he said something that always stuck with me. He said, writing is just like slightly polished talking. <laughs> so you, you, you say what you want to say and then you just polish it a little bit. You clean it up. You, you cut yeah. things out that are unnecessary. The ums, the I knows, other things that we say when we're talking that are a little bloated. And you may be up, a couple words you're a little more careful in the word choice in your word choice but otherwise it should sound like you're talking it's just polished yeah it exactly the the best compliment i ever get as a writer is people say wow nathan it's it's like you're speaking to yep. me and i'm like i know well because that's what i do i just write it out almost stream of consciousness first draft mm-hmm. right if you're doing your stephen king on writing thing of writing your 2000 words a day it it to get to 2000, you got to kind of like, let it go, you know? Mm -hmm. And so you just get it all out there and it's rough. Of course, that's the whole point. It's a rough, ugly, shitty first draft, but it's, it's genuine though. It's you saying things the way you would say them. It's your voice. That's your voice. A writer is supposed to have a voice. It's supposed to be your voice. It's not, I'm going into writer mode now. It's, here's, this is me. This is how I talk. This is what I say. I, this is, I want, these are the things I have to say. And so you have to just say it and in your voice and then go through and edit it. Like Ben says, go through and edit it, clean it all up. But this all just seems very like college paper trying to impress sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, if we go back to Jordan's original email, he says, please feel free to rip this apart. I'd really appreciate any comments you or Ben could make to help me make yeah. this a good personal statement. Yeah. Also, if you think it's garbage, please tell me and I'll be grateful to st- and start over. <laughs> Where's that voice? Yeah, this is- That's what I want to hear. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So perfect. I mean, Jordan, you've got it. You just have to like get out of your own way and stop trying so yeah. hard. This is, it's, it's much easier than people think. I think they spend so much time on it and then they come out with this, overwrought thing that uses words and uses manners of speech that they would never actually use in real life. Yeah. 
And it, it's very plain that that's, <laughs> you can tell when that, when that happens, I can just see the work too much. It doesn't sound at all realistic. Yeah. Okay. Let's go on. It says, <clears throat> see if we can find something in here to, to, for, for Jordan to focus mm-hmm. on, right? Cause there's gotta be something yeah. in here that, that he can keep, but, but not the writing though. He needs to blow up all this writing cause it's just too overwrought. Um, Anyway, from early on, success for me meant an edgy, not success for me, just success. From early on, (laughs) success meant an education that provided an escape where I could compete and challenge myself. Learning always meant moving forward and, in turn, a deliverance from the balkanized gangs and poverty that surrounded me. Yeah, that seems just really trying way too hard. Also, I don't think you need to say that gangs are balkanized. They're fucking gangs. Know what I mean? Yep. <laughs> what? what? What point is that adjective? What is that doing? Trying to emphasize that they're spread out somehow. <laughs> like, I don't know. Or that... Are you meaning that are you modifying gangs? These aren't just gangs. These are balkanized gangs. No, gangs are already balkanized. That's the whole point of gangs. Yeah. It's the point. So, I mean, here it's just Jordan wanting to use the word balkanized. Yep. Which you, Jordan, would you ever in a million years say balkanized in your normal conversation? Uh, I, I kind of doubt it. Anyway. Yeah. I, I wouldn't. I, nope. <laughs> I don't know. Um, okay. The summers were my least favorite time. Far from the school, reading became the only way to occupy myself during the humid New York summers. The books I read during those summers provided entertainment as well as a brief breeze on my face as I turned the many pages. Mm. <laughs> Jordan. Jordan. Jesus. <laughs> you got you to stop. <laughs> Uh, jordan is speed reading these books and he's actually he's doing it so fast that he's actually getting a fan in his face as he turns the pages that's a wow yeah he i mean he thought about that one you know he really tried hard but that's the whole point is that he's trying he's just trying way 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 too hard no i mean this is a good um lesson for everyone if you don't know what the goal is when it comes to writing then you're going to be pushing yourself in the wrong direction. And this happens for new attorneys all the time, or I should say um, 1Ls and 2Ls and 3Ls. They start writing stuff, and they think that the goal is to use all the new words that they've used and to sound like the opinions that they've read, and it's the exact opposite. You want to use your own voice, as Nathan was saying, in your legal writing too. And until you know that's the goal you're going to head in a different direction. It seems like Jordan thinks the goal here is to use sentences that are artsy, um, poetic, you know, capture some unique phrase. And that's not the goal at all. The goal is to write like you're writing an email that's been polished and refined. That's it. Yeah. It's you're, you're supposed to be like, you're supposed to be speaking to the reader. You, you want to be communicating to the reader in a, hey, hi, here's who I am. Mm-hmm. 
and this is so stuffy. This is just, I don't know. Just that you don't sound like a human at all. It's also all over the place theme wise. I mean, we have gangs and we have uh, this like reading. We have complaining about the humid New York summers. I don't know what that has to do with anything. Yeah. And we have gangs and poverty and we have the value of education, which is almost trite to say how much education, you know, education's mean success and education and it's an escape. And it's like, Oh yeah. Okay. Everybody says that. And what, <laughs> I don't know. <clears throat> so cut the first three paragraphs. Yep. Okay. During the summer before high school, I chose to read Johnny Cochran's a lawyer's life. The book proved to me that being black or from humble beginnings were no longer valid reasons for why I could not achieve my goals. After all, Johnny Cochran was able to navigate a rough upbringing in less than ideal surroundings and use his dissatisfaction with the status quo to lift himself out of poverty, all while helping others. It was after I read this book that I realized my community needed things like leadership, semicolon, hope, semicolon, and positive change. So a couple of things here. Right away, this paragraph is starkly different from the ones we've read up to this point. I'm mm-hmm. not saying that this is something you should talk about, Jordan, because it's still the summer before high school. But at the same time, mm-hmm. you're talking. Now you're talking. This is your voice, or at least a lot closer to your voice. It's so much easier to read. It sounds like a real person. You're providing me now a detail that I actually give a shit about. Yep. I, I am really interested in a book that was impactful to yeah. you. That tells me a lot about you. So, yeah, summer before high school is, you know, you're basically a child here. Still, I think you could briefly mention this and tell me a little fact about yourself. And you read this book and it really made a different impact. I mean, keep it tidy, but you can definitely talk about that. I if think. you cut everything up to this point and just started during the summer before high school, I chose to read this book and the book. Also, not I chose to read. I read. <laughs> I read. Yeah, there's a yeah. lot of cutting you can do here. The book yeah. proved to me that being black or from humble beginnings were no longer valid reasons for why I could not achieve my goals. That's enough. People say, okay, I get it. You did not come from, you know, I don't know, a situation in which things were safe or, no, you know, education yeah. was normal and expected. Um, this is good. Yeah, I don't need the... You're right. I think you could just leave it at that. I don't need the... After all, Johnny Cochran was able to navigate a rough upbringing in less... It's like, yeah, yeah. Go ahead and just let the reader fill in the blanks Mm -hmm. on that. We have an idea who Johnny Cochran is. Yep. And you already said that the book proved to you that being black and from humble beginnings, blah, blah, blah. Okay, good. Then you don't need to restate that Johnny Cochran is black from humble beginnings. Mm -hmm. Where to get that? Um, it was after I read this book that I realized my community needed things like leadership, hope, and positive change. What's that doing? Yeah, That's not helping anything. We all know that everybody's community needs all these things. You don't need to say that again. Also, I hate to say it, Jordan, but your semicolon privileges have been revoked. Yeah. Do not use them ever until later. Yeah. Don't use a semicolon, period. 
Um, I also began to understand why the idea of, quote, the law was met with such acrimony where I was raised. The discriminatory targeting of our communities, coupled with the court's biased sentencing, stole our father's friends and futures. Yet, the reason people here participated in crime was largely rooted in the fact that they were voiceless vis-a-vis public policy formulation. Don't ever use vis-a-vis. And that's not for you, Jordan. That's for everyone on this planet. Yes. You do not ever say vis-a-vis. No one says that. That's not a thing that you say. Go to the bar. Do you say, oh, vis-a-vis... My drink. Vis-a-vis the cocktail that I will be consuming (laughs) on this eve. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Also, this is all just now into this whole vague, like, just talking about the state of the world. And selling drugs for many provided a welcome reprieve from the rampant unemployment in a community where the many foreign-owned corner markets monopolized the only legal commerce. No. Holy shit. What are you talking about? Yeah. Wow. That also is weirdly... um, I don't want to get too much into this, but that has almost a flavor of weirdly being racist against the people who own these corner markets. Yeah. Well, and also condoning selling (laughs) drugs, saying like, hey... Selling drugs. It's a welcome reprieve. It's the only option. That's the argument here, basically. And I don't know the merits of that claim, but it's not an argument you want to be making in your personal statement. Well, we all know that people sell crack because they don't have really other options, or they they perceive that they don't have. Other I think options. that's the key of course. Word that's why people perceive, sell crack. Right? Like the yeah. So, but we also you're telling us things we already know. Yep, it's not about you for one. It's not about you at all. Like where, where, okay. So you read this book at the beginning of high school and then it learned you, then you started learning a bunch of shit that everybody knows. Okay, good. That's fine. But you don't, that's not in your personal statement. Who are you? Who do we get when we get, when we sign, when we sign you up, who are you on our team? What are you giving Mm -hmm. us? And you complaining about how people sell drugs because they don't have, because they can't get a job. That's you're not doing anything for my team here. <clears throat> I'm recruiting a team of mercenaries. I want to know who to hire for my team of mercenaries so that we can go, you know, rob a bank or whatever it is. And I want to know what you're going to do for mm-hmm. us. You're not telling me what you're doing for us. While reading The Life of a Lawyer. Oh, we're back to the Johnny Cochran book. Okay. While reading The Life of a Lawyer, I could not stop thinking about my grandfather. Like so many other men in prison for nonviolent drug offenses, they never had a chance. Unable to afford the best legal representation, these men relinquished hope and embraced a philosophy of determinism. You you have to stop with the social commentary. It's just you're just not doing anything for yourself here. You're not telling any you're not we want to know about you. We we don't <laughs> I guess you're telling us your, you know, your a bit about your background and your political ideals, but that's not 
you're not describing, you're not saying, here's what I do. Here's my thing. This is what I got. I want to see you do your, your thing, or I want you to talk about you doing your thing. I want to know what your thing is. You, you know, repeatedly saying that there's all these different needs. Isn't that's not your thing. We're going to go fix these problems. I got a team here that I'm building because we're going to go fix these problems. You're just telling me about the problems. I already know about the problems. Which has this underlying like sense of complaining. I'm not saying that these aren't real problems and that people need to deal with them, but it's just... Well, of course they're real problems. I mean, I'm 100% on your team here. I get yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, I am very sympathetic to the fact that your grandfather was in prison for nonviolent drug offense. I mean, that's a tragedy. Sucks. But like, what are we going to do about it? How are you going to help us do something about yeah. it? What have you done? What do you do? What's your thing? What have you done? What are you going to do in the future? And, you know, you could mention, it's actually an interest, you know, that's a fact, like, hey, my grandfather was in prison for a nonviolent drug offense and my grandmother was supporting us. Okay, that tells me something about you, at least where you came from. Then I want to know about what you've done now. Like, what what did you do in college and beyond? Yep. Anyway, you know, it's it's all this, like, people love the origin story. So they just keep going with the origin story. I knew that some, I knew that I wanted to do something to help these people regain hope, semicolon. I wanted to, def- to defend those without a voice. For the first time in my life, I no longer dreamt of one day escaping, but of returning to my community armed with a law degree to help defend those who so desperately needed people who understood them to defend them. I feel like you can keep pieces of that because it's like, here's, here's the type of people I want to, this is what I want to do, you know? Yeah. So now, um, there's, you, you could say what you said about your grandmother and your grandfather in one sentence or two. And then that tells us your connection to these challenges. And then you talk about your desire to go back and do something about it. Although we still need more, something more concrete, I guess. What has happened since you've wanted to do this? What have you done about it? Or is this just a, a dream and you think that being a lawyer is the solution? Well, yeah, you can you can boil everything so far into like two sentences. You can talk about your grandfather being imprisoned, your grandma raising you, and then this Johnny Cochran book. And I... I, I I no longer, you know, I I decided I was going to return to my community with a law degree to help defend these people. Mm-hmm. Now you have to make now you have to show me what you've done so far. Like as an adult because you've been an adult for a while, you know, college students are adults in mm-hmm. a way. And I need to see what you've done during your college career because you you told me that you read this book what before high school? Yeah. Well, then let's see what you've been doing about it because that's been 8 years ago. Or more. Mm-hmm. So are you just going to talk about it? Or are you going to actually do something? And now this is the point where I'm expecting you to make it look like law school is the inevitable first step or the inevitable next step for you because of things that you've actually done. Not just what you want to do, but like, what have you actually done? I think he's going to give us a little bit of that yeah. here. So I'm, I'm optimistic here. During college, I became even more interested in pursuing law as I researched, studied, and wrote many papers on law-related topics. 
It's a, it's a tiny bit Trumpian. It's almost like many great papers. <laughs> yeah. Know? It's like vague. Trumpian. Can we get that? It, I, that needs to be a thing. Yeah. Trumpian. Um, a Trumpian manner of speaking. Um, I, I researched and studied and wrote. Okay. That's what you do in college. That's a, that's a college paper. Yeah. You know, and and then the fact that you did many law-related papers on law-related topics. Well, they already have your transcripts, though. You know, they have your CV. So if these papers were published, they know about them. And if not, then it's just part of your college grades, and they know about your college grades. Yeah. Was this a homework assignment, or did you actually get it published? That's a big difference. And this is one of those ironies where maybe Jordan wrote many papers. I don't know, 10 20 on law-related topics, but talking about one of them is going to have a much bigger impact on the reader than talking about the vague many, right? Like the vague many just becomes nothing. So is there a paper in here that you actually published? What was it about? And that would say a lot more about you as a writer and as someone who's interested in law. Yeah, totally. Um, also, everybody in college researches and studies and writes many papers. Yeah. I mean, the fact that they were on law-related topics. So, so what? what? It really uh, has to be published. Yeah. I agree. Don't mention papers if they are not published papers. And in that case, they're probably on your CV, so you don't need to mention them in that. <laughs> then you don't have to mention them yeah. either. All right. <clears throat> I founded and became president of an organization, Leaders with Vision, period, an organization with the goal of promoting education and leadership in impoverished communities, period. And now you really can't do the sentence fragment thing that you did before, because this one's clearly accidental. Um, you need a comma there. Yeah, right. That's one sentence, not two. Uh, I'm interested in this. This is a fact. This is a thing that you did. You founded and... You, and you're pres- you were the founding president of an organization, Leaders with Vision. Um, but then I want to know what happened in that. Let's see. With the help of many, I was able to co-author and provide free study guides for high school students taking the New York State Regents exam in the subjects of both biology and U.S. history. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting work. That um, sounds like work going, too. Jeez. Yes. And you're going in the direction of helping these people who you claim you want to help, and I believe you. And now you're giving evidence that reinforces your goal and makes me think, oh, here's a now we start to get a bit of a brand, right? Yeah. And notice this is when you're in college, so you actually have a lot more control over your decisions in your life. And you've you say so much with these last few sentences that's not on the paper you founded and became president of an organization okay so you have like motivation or purpose that goes beyond just doing what someone else has told you to do you then actually did some stuff i was afraid that you created this organization and then did nothing which would be like i'm trying to get something on my resume but you actually created these free study guides for high school students 
That does sound helpful. And then you said it's on the subjects of biology and U.S. history, which says you must know something about biology and U.S. history. So it's interesting that once we're getting into these details of what you did, we're learning so much more about you that's not even written on this page. Yeah, I. this is the best part so far. This is the part to keep. This is the part to focus on. And now I'm thinking, so like, imagine if I'm the person who's going to take you to the committee, the meeting, mm-hmm. right? If I read your, your app and I decided I wanted to, I believe in you and I want you in the class and I'm going to now go try to sell you to my colleagues on the committee. And now I'm talking about, well, here's Jordan. Jordan uh, is a, you know, um, Johnny Cochran uh, is Jordan's hero and this this kid came from pretty rough background. Raised by his grandmother, his grandfather. Raised by his <clears throat> grandfather, imprisoned uh, for nonviolent drug offenses. We don't know where his parents are. And <laughs> yeah, don't know. You know, and and uh, gets inspired before high school and in college ends up creating this leaders with vision organization, creating free study guides for for people. Like, you know. You're not going to get much. You're going to get like 15 seconds or 30 seconds of airtime. And people aren't going to get to this paragraph if you have those paragraphs before it. (laughs) Right. You need to, you need to lead with like, here's how they're going to sell me to the committee. And, uh, this, this part is starting to get there. This is, this This is is good. good. And it's about, and this is funny because it's almost over, right? This is what always happens to people. They finally hit some nugget somewhere and then they're like, okay, I'm done. They finally get around to it. Yeah. Um, Okay. As I began to see the positive changes I was capable of making, the idea of public interest law captivated me even more. That sentence doesn't do anything. I realized I could use law as a conduit to affect change as well as serve and protect others. Yeah, but you already said that in the, you already, didn't you realize that when you were reading about Johnny Cochran? Yeah. I began to feel hopeful for having found a way to combine my skills of reading and writing. Don't mm. ever talk about your skills of writing because that draws attention <laughs> to your writing. I'm not saying that to you, Jordan, only. I'm saying that to everyone. If you say, oh, my writing is so good, then everybody's going to look at all your sentences and be like, was it really that good? Including this exact yeah. phrase, <laughs> my skills of reading and writing <laughs> is not correct. You're folk, you're calling out your reading and writing while displaying poor writing. Not, not a good, that's not a good plan. No. Uh, Combining this with my passion for competition and justice. Also, you're just not saying anything. I want you doing things, man. uh, Give me more of this leaders with vision. Yeah. Break it down. What did you, how did you actually create these study guides? Did you write them yourself? Did you have other people write them? What happened when you gave them to the students? How did it help them? What problem were you solving? Yeah. Why do they need hey, free study with guides? The help, yeah, with the help of many. Who who are these people? How did you recruit them? How how did you start this organization? Yep. Details, facts. You, 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 yeah, you rallied this team and then these are the things you did. Like you saw this need and you went and you got a team together and then you created these. Like you could spend the entire two pages only talking and about this you, and it would be much oh better. It would totally sell you. <laughs> much, much, what much. problems did you run into yeah. when you gave the books to the students? Did they use them? Did you see success? Did it work? Not work? Did you, were you invited back? Did you do another project? Oh, there's so much here. Yeah. 
more about that stuff, less of all of this, everything else. Like, please stop telling me that you can use law as a conduit to affect change. I mean, no shit. I am in the business. Yeah. <laughs> if I'm on a law school admissions committee. If you, if you can take a sentence and put it in anyone else's personal statement, cut it. <laughs> yeah, totally. So uh, I, was, I thought you were going to say, if you could take a sentence and put it in anyone else's personal statement, this would oh, be yeah. that sentence. <laughs> well, here's one of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we're both saying the same thing, which is get rid yeah. of that shit. Okay. Um, here we go. How about this? As Sir Isaac Newton had studied the laws that govern the heavenly oh, no. <laughs> I don't even want to <laughs> I found a love in studying the laws that govern our terrestrial bodies. Oh, dear God. <laughs> sorry. sorry, I couldn't even finish that sentence. That's the type of shit that they let people write in college, huh? I mean, it's this breathy, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick someone famous... Compare myself. You just compared yourself to Sir Isaac Newton for no fucking reason whatsoever. (laughs) That could say, like, that could totally say, you know, as Tiger Woods studied the green, the contours of the greens at Augusta National, I studied the law. The (laughs) law. Wow. This is also why you don't, I mean, you haven't done this, Jordan, but a lot of people will quote like famous people and you just, you don't want to quote famous people. There's just no point. There's never a point. It's about, it's about you. It's supposed to be about you. You're supposed to be highlighting, you know, your accomplishments or some aspect of your particular personality. Who, who am I getting? Is Sir Isaac Newton going to be on my team? (laughs) That'd be pretty sweet. Dude was smart. Um, oh boy. Okay. After graduating Phi Beta Kappa, summa cum laude. That's already on your transcript. Don't say that. And speaking at my departmental graduation, what? I took away an important lesson. Inevitability is for raindrops. We all have a choice where we fall in life. I, I don't know. Wow. I don't understand. Boy, the art, very artsy. Inevitability is for raindrops? We all have a choice where we fall in life? Okay, I got it. So raindrops don't get to choose where they fall, but you do. <clears throat> we have our show title. <laughs> Inevitability is for raindrops? Absolutely. 100%. Sometimes they're just too easy. They write themselves. Um, Okay. I hate that artistic part. Stop being artistic. You're supposed to be like, you want to sell yourself as Johnny Cochran or you want to sell yourself as this like community leader, community organizer. You can kill all the like bloviation and just instead go with, tell me about this thing, leaders with vision. I just hope this thing was a real thing. That's my see, because now I'm left with, right. He, it's like, imagine I'm a perfect skeptic who doesn't know Jordan at all. Now I actually don't know Jordan at all, but I, I believe you, Jordan. I mean, I, 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 I hope I, I want to believe you. I want to believe that leaders with vision is a real thing, but the way this personal statement comes off as a skeptic, I have to read that and go, Oh, something he started in college. Didn't really follow through with it. Yeah. 
talking big about it, but you know, if I Googled it, what would mm-hmm. I find? Is that thing still happening on your campus? Yeah. Um, if it is, you should definitely tell me about that. <laughs> Boy, I would love to know what that organization is up to. still. Yeah. do you still participate in that at all? Like, are you now mentoring the, the organization or did the organization just fizzle when you left? And when you say with the help no. of many, that makes me worried that we're talking about two other people here. Right. Yeah. So you can go specifics. I got this professor. I got this colleague. I got this professor because they were able to have this skill. I got this colleague because they were good at this, you know, and we connected to these, these people at these schools and we provided this many free study guides or this many students were able to benefit from this thing. Just tell me, you could spend the whole entire thing about this leaders with vision. I just, yeah, I hope it's a, I hope it's a yeah. thing. By the way, by the way, just some random side notes here. You don't need a hyphen between free and study in free study guides. They're just free study guides, no hyphen. They're just free study. Oh yeah, it's not a free study. Yep. Yeah. They're. F- oh yeah, absolutely. The other thing here is biology and U.S. history. You have capitalized. I would just lowercase that. Almost everything needs to be lowercase. There's very few things that need to be capitalized. <laughs> almost everything needs to be lowercase and almost nothing needs to be hyphenated. Yep. Like two word things don't usually need to be hyphenated. Although there's a law related. Uh, oh, look at, look at one day. I missed one that. One day? Where? For the first time in my life, I no longer dreamt of one day escaping. And the one day is hyphenated. Mm. Oh, Yeah. As if you were saying like one day like, trip, yeah, or one two day, day trip. escape. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a one day escape. I, I, I started planning a longer escape plan. No, okay, um, Jordan. Thank you so much for sharing this. Uh, we really do appreciate it. I personally appreciate your willingness to accept, um, you know, real, honest, hard feedback. That is going to serve you extremely well. You are. You will be a much better lawyer for it. <laughs> I think sometimes people think that if they that like a good lawyer would like just not listen to anybody, you know, be so sure of themselves that they wouldn't be able to take feedback. But I think the exact opposite yeah. is true. You know, Jordan's going to get better and better because of his willingness to consider like hard realities. Yeah. Well, if you get rid of all this stuff that we said to get rid of this personal statements can go from something that would have hurt you to something that will now not just be neutral, but I think will make you one of those candidates where someone in that room is saying, yeah, but what about Jordan, that guy who started that thing that then wrote these free study guides, assuming that's true, Jordan, I hope it's true too. Um, and did all this stuff for people. You did stuff. That's different than most applicants applying to law school. Yeah. And, and even if, you know, let's say if you decide that you don't want to make this about leaders with vision, if leaders of vision wasn't that big of a deal and you don't want to spend that much time talking about it, there's got to be something else real from your life that you actually did. Just, I I don't need the, all the plight of the downtrodden. I don't need so much about the, the, the glorious power of lawyers to help people. None of that's telling me anything about you and what you have done. So pick something from college or pick something from your professional career and tell me an actual real story about some shit that you did. Mm -hmm. 
And um, yeah, hopefully the leaders with vision thing, that sounds like a good start. I'd love to read another draft, Jordan, if yeah. you, uh, if you start this thing over and you focus on what you are bringing to law school um, and you focus on an actual thing that happened that you did a, a team you led the goals you achieved. I would love to read it again, uh, whether on the show or otherwise, but um, please get back to us and, and send us another draft. Yeah. Thanks, Jordan. Okay. Wow. That was good. I'm glad we did that. Hmm. Should we do one more or are we done? I I could do one more if you can. Fellas, call me anonymous. Okay. Anonymous. I enjoy your show and will not hesitate to donate if and only if I get a high score. Okay. Sorry, this email would not be complete without that logic. It's very logical. In all seriousness, thank you for what each of you do. Great work, resource that I am appreciative of. Okay. To my question, I've prepped for the last couple months and I'm delighted to report a movement from my diagnostic of 157. Okay, a lot of details here. Whoa. Yeah, I don't need to all those. 174. Just... Yeah. How do you help? Awesome. That's great. That's really awesome. How do you help students squeeze out those last points? on those tricky LR and RC questions. Uh, Just keep doing what you're doing. I buy the explanations I seek out online, but with the time ticking, I can't get there quick enough. I buy the explanations I seek out online, but with the time ticking, I can't get there quick enough. It's not about the time. It's just in, you look at it again and in retrospect, you you read an explanation and you go, Oh, okay. Yeah. That makes sense. But why are you worrying about time so much? It's not time. No, it's digging in and trying to understand. People love to point at the time. Oh, it's just the time. I could have got it if it would have just been the time. Yeah. All right. (laughs) Easy to say. Yeah. Easy to say. And the fact that you understand it in retrospect after it's been explained to you, that's good. That's yeah, good. it's a start. But you got to understand it and then eventually start doing that on your own. Anonymous continues, I am not under the illusion that I will get a perfect score, but I would like to drive up my averages on LRRC to minus zero, minus one to give myself a shot. Taking first time, or taking for the first time in June. Thanks much, Anonymous. Look, I mean, one thing to think about here, too, is that you're already in the 99th percentile. And (laughs) this this is a this is a curve that goes up. It's like if you can imagine a curve that reflects the difficulty as you go up. Right. It starts getting steeper and steeper at the end. So these last few questions, um, you know, you're going to figure some of them out and then the LSAT's going to throw you another kind of question that's a little different. I mean, a lot of these last questions that people struggle with are tough because they're difficult in their own unique way. And I'm not saying you can't figure out the logic behind it and understand them, but I wouldn't stress too much about them. I would just keep learning and then go take the test. A lot of your score is going to depend on um, how confident you are and how calm and collected you are on that day. Not necessarily some secret it's just gonna be continuing to hammer away at this test and slowly climbing that those last few points over time yeah yeah this is this is a 
<laughs> Anonymous is asking for a tip. Yeah. Right. And um, yeah, I, I mean, how do you get to Carnegie Hall? You practice. So you you've done awesome so far, but you just you have to. You're going to have to, you're talking about the very hardest questions on the entire test. You're only missing a couple logical reasoning questions, a couple reading comprehension questions. Well, yeah, you're in the 99th percentile trying to get to 99.9. That ain't a secret. That's just a keep doing what you've been doing. Do all of the work all of the time. Yep. It seems, yeah, reading, hey, you did a time section. You missed two questions. You found explanations. You read the explanation. You understand it. That's that's about as good as you can do. People love to talk about the numbers. They love to just be like, it's like, how do I get to the conclusion? Yeah. How do I get to perfection? Well, it's one at a time. Yep. You know? Look at every mistake and and every question that you get right but that you weren't sure about as an opportunity to just improve your understanding of the test and get tighter with your logic. Yeah. And it's, it's a, cause it's going to be a variety of different things. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I'd have to see which ones you're missing. I mean, this would be a perfect opportunity. If, if Ben and I were any good at selling ourselves, we would suggest that oh, you yeah, do a private right. tutoring yeah, session. Talk about tutoring. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because <laughs> if you're missing, like you're missing essentially seven questions that Ben and I would not have missed. Or we would have missed one of them, and you missed yep. seven of them. And so there's there's some way that we would have gotten to the correct answer on each one of those questions. And, uh, you know, the explanations that you're reading online don't also, they don't have to be technically correct. Yeah. Not to say that Ben and I are perfect. And in fact, we would explain the same question in a different way frequently. Yeah. But... Uh, well, the guarantee is that you, if you did a session with Ben, he would give you, he would give you some insights that you don't already have. And I would do the same. I would approach a question in a way where you would be like, oh, interesting that you did this. I don't know what that, those, I don't know what those are. Cause I don't know what types of questions yeah. you're missing. So we'd have to just dig into a bunch of the mistakes. Somebody like you, Anonymous, if you showed up with a yellow pad and you had a list of uh, 15 logical reasoning questions that you were curious about, um, those would be perfect justification for a tutoring session and almost certain to be fruitful. Um, Whether that's going to get you to a 180, I don't know, but I do know that it wouldn't hurt and uh, has the potential to help. So. Yeah. Also, someone in your position is probably going to take away a few nuggets here and there that are going to affect a lot of questions down the road. And so you wouldn't need that many sessions, maybe just one. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I, I would I would love to do one session and then just kind of take it from there. Um, the irony, of course, is that the very highest scorers benefit the most from one-on-one tutoring because you're only missing a few little quirky things. You have a really good foundation in the test. You're understanding almost everything that you're reading, but there's certain little subtleties or quirks that you're not quite catching. And um, a, an expert could very likely help you to get over those last couple of roadblocks. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, honestly, yeah, if there is a tip, <laughs> it would probably be do some tutoring with a pro. Yeah. It's amazing to self-study from 157 to 174. That's incredible. Yeah. 
um, maybe you need a little bit of extra, you know, attention to get over those last, those last stumbling blocks. I don't know. But thanks for writing in and thanks to everyone for, uh, listening. It's great to have you all. All right, everybody. That was show number 134. Thanks all y'all for listening. Nice knowing you. Don't pay for law school.